0: Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. We're gonna continue the conversation with June today. So this is number six in all of the episodes we've had with June. If you go to our website, btr.org, you can click on today's episode and we will have all of the episodes listed in order. So if you have not heard her full story, you can go to the beginning. A lot of times on this podcast, We have a victim come on to talk about her specific situation or what happened in her specific church. But these are issues that happen in all churches, in non-churches, in therapy offices. So I just want to make it clear that this podcast is not pro-divorce. This podcast is pro-safety, so I'm trying to bring up all of these different safety issues, things that women need to be aware of, things that victims need to be aware of, so they can learn how to really clearly spot abuse and set boundaries around abuse and hold those boundaries until the abuse has stopped. Once the abuse has stopped, whenever that is, it could be 10 years after divorce, it could be while you're still married to the person, it could be at any time. I don't know when that's going to happen, but once the abuse has stopped, then you can ease up on your boundaries. But safety is the most important thing. And that is why we cover this stuff. If you're interested in learning about your level of safety, learning about how to set boundaries, becoming stronger with a community of other victims who are going through what you're going through and having words to describe what's happening to you, please join Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group. It is our daily online support group. There's multiple sessions a day and multiple time zones. Go to our website, btr.org. Click on services and online support group to learn more. Okay, we are going to continue talking to June now. This is, again, a continuation of our conversation we had last week. So if you have not listened to all the previous episodes, please do that first and then catch up with us here
1: it's very, very important. I cannot stress this enough. It is so important for women in this situation to do research of divorcing a narcissist. And a lot of these guys that have porn issues, infidelity issues, they have narcissistic issues as well. And you do not see that until you cause such a narcissistic injury that that comes out. And I often say, I could manage, when I was married, I could manage this behavior. I could manage him a little bit because I kind of knew how to work around these things.
0: Mm -hmm. I'd say the same of me, managing it. Yeah.
1: Yes. And someone told me, a friend told me when I was going through this and being severely abused every day, verbally abused, physically abused, physically intimidated, emotionally abused, spiritually abused. She was aware of the situation and she even said to me, just make sure that you know what is in your future because it can and it will get worse. And at the time I thought there's nothing, there's nothing that could be worse than going through this constant and daily abuse every single day. I mean, I felt like I was losing my mind. I didn't know which end was up. I didn't know reality. I had such a fog, fear, obligation, guilt, that I was really, really just not a healthy person. And now I begin to see kind of what she was talking about. Yes, the abuse has gotten worse because now it is directed towards my children. Now it is directed within the community. Now it is directed in different ways that are so much harder to prove. It's like if you went into court do you think a judge is really going to care that he sends your kids in rags? No. I mean, the judge that I went to, he would say, get out of here.
0: (laughs) Or like, why are you so judgy or whatever? That's not the thing that I think is abusive. The abusive thing is stealing my clothes, not respecting anyone's time and, you know, all those things. And he has plenty of money. He could buy him boots or whatever, but he doesn't.
1: Right. And the thing is that I feel like a lot of the family court professionals, judges, things like that have really been desensitized. They hear horrific cases of abuse. And when a dad can't get the kids somewhere on time or can't return their clothes, it just does not register with them as the abuse that it is. It is abuse because we feel it. We know that I think these things are purposeful. Because he knows no one's going to care. He knows I care because I can't afford to go out and buy a new coat every time that he forgets to return theirs.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Well, you've got a doctor for an ex or soon to be ex. I have an attorney. Yes. (laughs) They know what they can and cannot do. And so they go right up to that line and they don't cross it.
1: Yes. And going back to your original point, that is very much within their realm and their playbook of abuse and narcissism they know what they're doing. And they not only know, but they exploit that in a way that sometimes is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And so yeah, I do feel like things have gotten worse. I have spent probably close to $100,000 trying to get divorced. I'm still not divorced. That is the reality of divorcing a narcissist. That is the reality.
0: And that's financial abuse.
1: It is financial abuse. It's legal abuse. It's everything. Things have gotten worse. But the difference is that now I'm not in that constant state of that abuse in my own home that I can deal with this other abuse. Now I feel like I can function I am a functional adult. I'm not only surviving, but I am thriving despite all of this other abuse. It's horrible, horrible abuse still, but I'm able to handle it.
0: So you're not finished with your divorce yet, but do you have some tips for our listeners? I want you to start way back with even listeners who are not thinking that divorce is in their future. Even listeners who are thinking, no, he seems to be understanding what I'm saying. He seems to be getting better. Because you and I both went through a phase where we thought, oh, things are getting better. He understands. So I'm not saying that listeners who are in that phase are going to get to the divorce phase. Maybe he will continue to improve. And if so, both June and I are very happy for you. That's great. We wish that would have happened for us. And it didn't. But let's start there. Like, Even for women in that phase, what tips do you have about what is coming and what to expect and things that you wish that you would have known?
1: Yeah, I think that it would have been very helpful for me to know that really the natural progression of these cases, when they are taken to court, the natural progression is that, you know, if a dad goes back and asks for more time, whatever that the court will oftentimes just give him a little bit more time. Like I said, my situation was that there has been all this bad behavior. I thought, surely he's not going to be rewarded with a big change. He wasn't rewarded with a huge change. But it was enough of a change that he could exploit the lack of boundaries, like I said. And now that's what we have. (laughs) And so now that's what I'm going to deal with. Be prepared for them to paint a picture of you that is literally unrecognizable. He got up there, lied about many, many things, said all of these things about me not caring for the kids or the kids being dirty and all of this other nonsense. And, you know, that's very hard. It's very, very hard to hear. It's very, very hard when I feel like so many times I have literally been the bigger person. I have told him where we're going to be, invited him to the kids' events, made sure to save a seat for him, been very, very aware and doing the emotional labor to include him in those things. And to have that used against me is horrible. It feels horrible. It's a betrayal on its own. After this last court date, like I said, I was in shock. I was in some trauma because I know what boundaries, the lack of boundaries would do to my husband in this situation. And it's only going to get worse. So that was very hard. If I had expected that a little bit more, I think it would have been maybe a little bit easier. But I mean, you talked to me right afterwards and I was pretty distraught. Now I'm feeling okay about it. I feel like I've gotten some good coping skills and that documentation is going to be huge. So the other thing that I've learned is that documentation is key. It is paramount. You have got to document everything. That can be a challenge sometimes. One thing that I've learned that has helped me immensely, wherever I am, is I use the BTR boundary log that is available on the BTR website or Amazon.
0: To find that, you go to btr.org backslash books. So it's on our books page. And again, it's called the boundary log.
1: Yes. And that has been great. So anytime that there is some kind of an issue, the kid's not getting somewhere on time, an offhanded comment, him swearing at me, him forgetting to return one of the kid's items and refusing to go get it, whatever. I just write that down. And that is my log. And any attorney will tell you that you've got to start doing that. It can be very hard to present those things at court. The way that you document your evidence is very, very important. And so keeping a timeline of those things in real time is huge. Another thing that I've learned is that I think that a lot of times, the narcissistic ex is really in the mindset of winning. You know, this is about winning for him. I don't think that he really wants the kids because he's asking for 50-50. And mind you, he hasn't gotten it. And so, and he keeps asking, asking. And so I think that this is about winning for him. It's not that he actually wants to have the kids part-time. It's that he wants the appearance. Like I said, on the dating sites, it says that he has them 50-50. And so, sometimes I think that you can use that to your advantage. You know, I am aware of a situation with some research that I did of a woman who allowed her ex to say that he had 50-50, when in reality, it wasn't. And he didn't actually want it. He just wanted to be able to say that. Say it.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And so however you can make that... And use that to your benefit, I think, is important.
0: Before you move on, I want to re-stress that. That you might get really upset in court about like, oh, they're saying this thing and I don't want that thing to happen. The reality is once that paper is signed and the divorce decree is done... Actually, what happens may be very different. You might think, "Oh, like, okay, I got everything that I wanted and or I didn't get anything that I wanted," or whatever it is." And in reality, it might not even function like that. I'm not saying "put 50/ 50 in the divorce decree, but just note that like what they really want is the appearance of things. And so if they're saying things, but it's really not actually affecting the way you and your kids live, oh, for heaven's sake, let them say it, you know. I just wanted to stress that because that's a type of battle that's not worth fighting and that this is like win-win because they get to live in their lie and you get to get away.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Part of me thinks that once we get the divorce finalized and we divide the property and everything like that, that maybe things will calm down a little bit. I've often said, you know, I can deal with whatever crazy Schedule We have. Whatever he's going to do to me for the amount of time that he gets the kids every month, okay, then fine. 75% of the time, I have peaceful, and that's everything. And so, that's another tip that I want to share is oh, please build your community and engage in your self care and get to know these ropes. I can't stress that enough. If I had the choice not to go through the court system, I would do that because this has been traumatizing. It is awful. It makes you feel victimized again and again and again. And I feel like the narcissist really preys on that.
0: I agree. The court system tends to work better for them than it does for the victims. And mostly because the victims are telling the truth and they're willing to lie about anything.
1: Yes. And sometimes... I find myself almost shocked at the stuff they would lie about. And it's almost so obvious that you don't think they would lie about it. And so you don't think that you're going to have to prove it wrong. I mean, why would you ever think that you had to prove reality? Well, with a narcissist, you do.
0: Yeah. And if you can get away with not proving it by not getting in the argument about reality in the first place, that's the best case scenario because you're never going to win with them. There's no way they're ever going to be like, oh yeah, you presented all these facts. Okay. Good point. Right. That That's never going to happen.
1: Yeah. Okay. So now that we're done with custody, I have asked my husband if it is possible at all for us to just reach a settlement in terms of the divorce and property. I filed on grounds and in my state, Grounds go to fault. So, I did file a fault divorce as opposed to a no fault divorce. A fault divorce, if proven, can influence equitable division of property. At this point, now that it's been two years, I am more than willing to forego that whole process and move on with my life and not have to go through all of that to be able to prove grounds and establish grounds and fault. And so, I asked him recently actually if he would be at all interested in coming to a settlement, an agreement. You know, we don't have that many things to really divide up. I can't imagine why we couldn't come to some sort of reasonable agreement, which is what the courts would do anyway, really divide everything. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, the reason why is because he's crazy. But besides that, yes.
1: Yes. And so he did. He told me, no, I intend to go through the courts for this. And the reason is beyond me. And I am still trying to figure that out, you know, because when we start digging into affairs, adultery, abuse, cruelty, when we start digging, we will deposition people. And that'll be people from church, people from his old workplace, people from the community. And I imagine that that will bring up things that he probably does not want to see the light of day. And so I cannot for the life of me. I sat here and I tried for about a week to figure out what he is thinking and why on earth he would be doing this, be wanting to do that. Because does he not realize what's at stake? Well, I finally figured that because <laughs> to him he feels so entitled, and because to him he has really gotten rewarded for lying, he has really been able to come into court and just tell a completely falsified story and for it to kind of be taken at face value for the most part. And so he really hasn't felt the consequences of that. And I almost feel that his response was also like a peek into how delusional his thinking is and how entitled and untouchable he really feels. You know, he has not felt the consequences of his actions and I feel that his response was really indicative of that, that he doesn't think that there will be any consequences for that.
0: Do you think there will be? Are you more hopeful about that, about him having the consequences of the property settlement? Or are you just, after what you've been through, you're just like, oh my gosh, it's going to go bad too? Well, it can't go bad because the worst thing that can happen is they divide everything up equally. Exactly. And so he's willing to spend a ton of money to try and avoid the inevitable, really.
1: Exactly. And so that's why I was kind of like, oh my gosh, let me just cut my losses and get out of this. Yeah. I don't want to have to go through depositions. Like, do you think I want to sit here and go through all of these women? Like, I have no desire to do that. But because now I can kind of see the writing on the wall and I can say, okay, I guess if this is what you're going to want to do... That's what we're going to be doing. What I'm saying is I think for him, it's kind of a bluff game. I think for him, it is more like, well, I'm going to make her so scared that I'm going to actually do this. And in my case, I don't have anything to be scared about. And so I feel like that's a very interesting point. I feel that never, never underestimate reasoning with them. I thought for sure that we would be able to reason in reaching a settlement especially when he has things like this at stake but these people who have these narcissistic tendencies really just sometimes their entitlement gets in the way of even their self-preservation if that makes sense
0: yeah I agree yeah and they just make really really poor choices wow well we'll see how it goes So we're going to have another update with June after things are finalized and see how it went. We'll see if he kept fighting it and fighting it. And then they just ended up with splitting the assets in half, which is what's going to happen. It'll be interesting to see over the years, especially with June and mine's exes, because we have very similar ones. They're both very professional. They're both supposedly active in church. They both show up in the white shirt and tie kind of thing. It'll be interesting to see over time the consequences that happen. But the good news is, even if we don't worry about them at all, which is hard because they're still doing with our kids, that June and I are getting exponentially stronger, and more and more firm in our boundaries and the safety in our home is increasing and we're healing more and more and we're finding more peace and safety in our lives. And that's exciting. And any woman can find that. Even if your ex is not as horrific or your current husband who you're considering. Do you need to set boundaries with or not? Even if they're not showing these types of horrific behaviors, you still get to decide, is this something that I feel safe with? Do I feel safe? Do I need to set boundaries? And that's why the betrayal trauma recovery community is so valuable to victims of emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion is that this is the right place for you to bring up these issues. Many of the women in our community are currently married to and have no plans for divorce. I want to throw that out there. We are not an organization that's going to say immediately, like you have to get divorced because we've been through it and we've all struggled with those difficult decisions. The person who knows best is the woman herself about her situation. And you'll always have the freedom and have our respect in your own journey of wherever you are and what you choose to do. So June, thank you so much for coming and sharing. And we really look forward to checking in with you after the divorce is final.
1: Thank you. Yes, I will look forward to coming back and giving you an update.
0: As always, if this podcast is helpful to you, please rate it on iTunes. I love reading your reviews. So many of them are so encouraging and supportive, and it means a lot to me, especially when things in my personal life get really hard, and I'm super grateful. We also appreciate those of you who support the podcast through a financial contribution. So if you're interested in supporting the podcast, please go to our website, scroll down to the bottom and click on support the podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there.